0: This is uh, Will Percoccio. Hi, this is Brian Ezrelli. This is Freddie Williams. Hi, this is Mayo. Hi, this
1: is Matt Wagner. Hey, this is Tim Say.
2: Hi, this is is Edgerton Phillips. And Christina Ware. Hey, this is Ethan Skybro. Hey, I'm Dustin Wynn. Hi,
3: this is Kevin VanSkybrook here. This is the Batman Universe Comic
1: Podcast.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 38. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... It's Apple. You got Josh. And this is Zach. And we are bringing you the latest comic news from the past two weeks, as well as comic reviews from the past two weeks, which will only include four books. We also have the return of Bat books for Beginners, and coming releases for the next two weeks as well. So let's dive right into comic news.
4: Watch yourselves, man. These
1: guys are crazy.
2: All right, so the very first thing we have is on February 5th, the cover to Batman Return of Bruce Wayne was posted online, and it was the cover to issue number two, which features Bruce Wayne as a witch hunter.
3: Looks good. I like the little witches in the background. It's going to be something different.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, mean, I, I love that. I love that.
3: Supernatural and Batman doesn't always mix, but when you do it just the right way, it can work really, really well, and... All I'm really going by is the art and the way that these kind of witches look and the way that Batman looks. And this could be interesting unless the writing is completely horrible.
1: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this series. And it's Andy Kubert.
2: So then over on February 8th, we got some more covers. The cover to number three and number four. Number three features Batman as a pirate. And number four features Batman as a cowboy. And I got to say the cowboy one is probably the best one I've seen out of all of them.
0: The cowboy one looks really cool, the way that the cowboy hat sits down on him, almost making his cow almost. That that looks
3: very cool. I don't understand how Bruce Wayne could be a pirate, unless it's unless he's brainwashed or has amnesia or something, because doesn't the very principles of pirating go against half of his ideals? I mean, and he's got a sword there, too. What's he going to do with that sword? See, he's not going to be chopping off limbs or stabbing people in the heart or anything. And I don't know. I'm I'm never one of those people who's like all into pirates. Like even before that Pirates of the Caribbean movie, everyone's all about pirates. I don't get the appeal. And then every year where I live in Tampa, they have this big parade where everyone dresses up as pirates and acts like pirates. It's stupid.
2: All right. So moving along on February 10th, we had the final two covers. The first one features Bruce Wayne slash Batman as a detective in... I guess you could call it the twenties time. You can't really tell exactly what timeline it is, except for the fact that he's wearing clothes that seem to be in that time period. But then the final cover is number six, which features him in, or in the bat suit. It's the normal bat suit, and it looks like it's more modern time, despite the fact that he's being shot by a way array of guns. So,
0: right. And you know me, I love that twenties to forties era of detective style um that Batman looked very cool to me and and you can see I don't know what's going in his coat his coat still has like the like the wing bat wing reference in behind that look that looks really cool I'm gonna love that cover
3: I love both of those covers I uh you notice he's investigating a dead person glove person with a rose in his hand I wonder if that's supposed to have anything to do with Thomas and Martha Wayne I kind of like the idea of a pulpy Batman but not as a vigilante just as a civilian detective Solving some old school murders. I'd like to see that as a miniseries. And before someone says, well, you got the Doc Savage special. I mean, a Batman that isn't Batman. Like, just like Bruce Wayne, Private Eye. That would be a very, very awesome Elseworlds, or I guess they're called Tales from the Multiverse Now miniseries. Now, the people shooting Batman on that final cover, how hilarious and pointless would it be if, like, the last issue, you know, Return of Bruce Wayne, he just gets shot in the chest. And it's right back to the Stone Age.
1: I think so far all of these covers have been excellent, and I agree. I think the PI sort of style that they're going for with Issue 5 is definitely the highlight of the six.
4: <laughs> marvelous. Simply marvelous. All
2: right, so the next bit of news, on February 11th, Comic Book Resources had a chance to talk with David Hine. David Hine will be writing the main feature in Detective Comics starting in April. You may recognize the name because he actually worked on the Arkham miniseries a couple months back as well as the Arkham One-Shot that tied into Battle for the Cow. So he obviously knows what he's doing Arkham, but basically he's taking Batman in Arkham in the April issue of Detective Comics. So there was a couple highlights from the interview that CBR did with him. And they weren't in an interview form, it was just paragraph form with some random answers, which means they didn't do it, they actually talked to him instead of just mail questions back and forth. A couple of the highlights on why Batman goes to the asylum, he mentioned that it's a mission for Dick to prove that he's the world's greatest detective. And he said, appropriately enough, he has to get into Jeremiah Arkham's head and deconstruct his madness. And how this all fits together with his other Arkham stories, he said, I've crafted it to stand alone in the same way that Arkham Reborn could stand alone from Battle for the Kal one-shot. I didn't plan a trilogy. I pitched Arkham Reborn with a firm conclusion, but I was asked to hold off on a couple of plot elements, so Arkham Reborn ended not exactly on a cliffhanger, but with several plot threads dangling in the wind. And the final highlight on humanizing Jeremiah Arkham, he said, The most challenging aspect was to take this character of Jeremiah Arkham and to give him some charisma. I mean, who designed this character? He has to have the most unappealing look in comics, he is the personification of nerddom. I've made him interesting by surrounding him with what I hope are fascinating characters. Alice the Raggedy Man, the Three Beauties, No-Face Mirror Man, and Hamburger Lady. So there's no hope for Jeremiah Arkham as far as being a decent character unless he has a good supporting cast around him.
1: Which, by the sounds of things, he won't. Oh. And also, by the way, Alan Grant created Jeremiah Arkham, David Hine.
3: Yeah, and... Never insult somebody's design saying, yeah, I don't know who designed this guy, but I'm totally going to make him not lame anymore. I totally loved this guy before hearing this. Don't disrespect the Grant's. Even so, I'm looking forward to the issue because his Arkham stories, they've actually been, you know, fun one-off stories away from all the general crossover madness, even though they've technically been part of the crossovers. He is right that you can kind of read the Arkham Reborn and the other one-shots without knowing about Black Mask or Batman R.I.P., Final Crisis, Battle for the Cal stuff.
2: The other benefit is that the Arkham stories is one of the few books that actually follows what's going on in the other books, so I'm hoping that some of the other things that are happening within the Batman universe get pulled into his story as he's done in the past such as with Black Mask being revealed in issue 697 it'd be ideal if we saw something like that carry over in the Detective Comics but if we don't, we don't but I could see him doing that since a lot of what he did in Arkham Reborn was carrying over from Batman and Sirens and Streets of Gotham which I really liked <laughs>
0: Who are you? I'm your worst
2: nightmare. All right, so on to some other news. Nothing really official else to go over, but there was on February 12th some different solicitations for different books that are coming out in May. Uh, Not the official solicitations, but just some random things that got posted up. One of the books that was solicited for sure will be Birds of Prey. Number one, I'm still wondering, I should say to this day, why they announced it a month before and instead of just announcing it before the solicitations for April, if they were going to put it out in April, it would have made more sense. But nonetheless, uh, Birds of Prey number one will be coming out and they're grouping it in with the Brightest Day series. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that.
0: I wonder why they're grouping it with that. I mean, I know it's—I it, know it's another big event, of course. The, like the the second part of the Blackest Night, supposedly with the Brightest Day thing going on. But I'm well, happy, really, that uh, Birds of Prey is coming back. But I—I I don't know why they had to tie it back in. I thought it could stand alone by itself. The answer is easy: sales. If
3: they put a Brightest Day on this thing, <laughs> along with a shiny number one and you know maybe if you put you know a a few variant covers this thing will be the best selling comic ever
2: oh and it will oh and have
3: and, a and, and and, at, cover. and at a it, what oh variant oh, it variant
2: will have a variant cover 1 in 25
3: it will also come with a with a mini ring that has oracles wheelchair on it <laughs> uh that but would no be it, it's, awesome It's Gail Simone, so I'm sure it'll be awesome, even if they're going to use every single gimmick to sell this thing. But I bet you that the involvement with Brightest Day won't even be that big of a deal. It'll be like one reference, passing reference on one panel, just so they can put the crossover sticker on it.
2: That's all I wanted to know. All right, so that is all of the comic news. Let's go into our upcoming trade paperbacks for the next two weeks. What have you got for me? The first one we have is on February twenty fourth. We have the Batman Chronicles Volume Nine, and the solicitation reads: The series collecting every Batman tale in chronological order continues with this new volume of stories from the nineteen forties, pulled from Batman number sixteen and seventeen, Detective Comics number seventy five through seventy seven, and World's Finest number ten. This volume features the Penguin, the Joker, plus a visit to the Crime Clinic. This will be one hundred sixty pages and be fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine is not bad. This is one of the very few collected editions that I actually c- collect, just because it's color, and they're cheap. Yeah, they're cheap. <laughs> and they reprint all of the old comics that you're never gonna find now. All right, so the only other book we've got is Batman King Tut's Tomb. The solicitation reads, TV villain King Tut makes his comics debut in this title collecting Batman Confidential number 26 to 28, plus stories from The Brave and the Bold number 164 and 171 and Batman number
0: 353. And This will be 128 pages and be $14.99. I would have liked to have that one at $9.99. I think that would have been better. Well, it's King Tut and it's Batman Confidential, so... You didn't read it the first time. I loved <laughs> I it. I loved going. that. I loved the, the, the King Tut one. I just thought it would have been perfect, like around like a $10 book. Yeah, this story was a lot of fun.
1: So if you haven't read it, I'd pick this up.
0: And also for those
2: of you new to the podcast out there, we actually had a chance to interview Nunzio DeFlippes and Christina Weir, the writers on the, that set of issues that uh, came out of Batman Confidential. So definitely take a listen over to the Batman Universe specials to take a listen to that.
3: You can listen.
2: Alright, so let's get into our comic reviews. We've only got four books to cover. first one we're going to cover is Red Robin, number nine. You are completely All right, so we start off with Red Robin who's come back to Gotham City. He's trying to figure out exactly what has changed and how things are going back here when he comes across a building that's exploded and Killer Moth pops out. So after uh, battling Killer Moth quite quickly and uh, the cops apprehending him, Harvey Bullock mistakes him as Dr. Midnight. So then we go over to Red Robin. Drives over to his little hideout, whatever you want to call it. It's really just looks like a storage closet. And he parks his bike and he runs into Tam. And he tells Tam, okay, fine, let's go. I'll go with you right now. So then we go to Wayne Tower where Lucius Fox is sitting in his office. Where out of nowhere Tam appears and says, well, did you find Tim? And she goes, yeah, he's right here. She turns around and he's not there at all. So he makes a comment. So then we see Red Robin flying through the streets of Gotham. And he says "She's figured she'll eventually figure it out. But I trust her and she's gorgeous. Which we can kind of see something happening here. So he lands on a rooftop. He's sitting there and all of a sudden he's uh, cracking a smile. Thinking about a bunch of different things about what to do next as far as Bruce is alive. Um, when Connor Kent and Crypto show up out of nowhere... And they start talking back and forth. Then we cut to a restaurant in Gotham City where Vicki Vale's having dinner with Tommy Elliott slash Bruce Wayne. And she's asking him all kinds of questions about how can you keep giving all this money? Uh, aren't you eventually going to bankrupt Wayne Enterprises if you're doing this? He just keeps ignoring the, the questions and eventually says, let's dance. And she asks... Uh, how come you haven't seen your son in a while? Where's your son been? Uh, where's Tim Drake? And he goes, oh, he studies hard. He's he's off at school. And she goes, no, he's actually not at school. And uh, then we cut to Tam, who's leaving Wayne Enterprises. And is pretty ticked off. She gets in a taxi, and she says that she's going to first go to the Four Seasons, then to Wayne Manor. She says she hates Tim Drake. She thinks it, but then she says, God, he's cute, though, so we can, again, see some kind of romantic thing happening between the two. So we come back to Connor and Red Robin on the rooftop in Gotham, and they're going back and forth. Connor's making a bunch of comments about... Tim's new outfit when all of a sudden out of nowhere, Tim grabs Connor and just starts hugging him. He's all happy, saying he's glad he's alive. Now he, he, you know, because he was alive, he knows that it's very possible for Bruce to be alive. Connor flies off. Tim continues to sit there and smiles off in the distance when suddenly he gets a call from Ra's al Ghul. In the call from Ra's al Ghul, he's saying, I know that you're in Gotham and Tim says, well, I know you're in Gotham, too. And he says, well, good luck, detective. I'm going to go after everyone that you love. Then we see Red Robin get on his motorcycle, drive towards the Batcave, goes to the Batcave, starts yelling for Alfred, Dick, and Damien, and he says he needs Batman, Robin, Oracle, or Huntress. He can't, And he thinks to himself, I can't think of anyone's help I wouldn't take right about now, when all of a sudden he sees... Stephanie Brown, and he says, "Are you kidding me?" And uh, she says, "Tim, uh hi, yeah, good news. I'm not wearing the spoiler costume anymore, just like you asked." And that issue will be then continued into Batgirl number eight.
3: Greetings, dynamic duo. I'm your biggest fan. Before we do get to Batgirl number eight, we still have Batgirl number seven. The cover this month. And uh, speaking of Damien, uh, this is rounding up Damien and Stephanie's first team-up story, and it's not going well. Batman is being targeted by a bunch of villains uh, sent by Roulette, and Batgirl and Robin are on their way to save Batman. But Robin's like, you're just going to slow me down, so he throws a gas pellet on the ground at her and proclaims, no girls allowed, because he's going to go get his motorcycle, and Stephanie doesn't have one. This makes Stephanie pretty sad, because she needs to get across town fast. Damien has the motorcycle, she has nothing. Barbara's like, well, I do have something for you in the basement under my apartment. I've been saving it for such an occasion. And under the apartment, Batgirl busts out of the, I guess, the basement of Barbara Gordon's apartment with her own Batpod motorcycle thingy. Uh, so she has her little Batcycle pod thing. It's kind of hard to explain. I wish I can appropriately this. it kind of looks a little bit maybe someone will disagree with me like the bat pod from the dark knight returns except you're actually in a pod and it's not like a motorcycle but food for thought roulette and her hacker see that barbara is breaking through the firewalls that he keeps using the blocker she tells the villains via the intercom and for those keeping track the villains that are currently after batman are dr phosphorus riots the guy who can multiply and roxy rocket and she basically says whoever gets the batman first gets a percentage of the dvd sales cuz yeah she's totally gonna be able to legally sell the death of batman on dvd so stephanie on her pod rides past damien's motorcycle and boy damien is not happy that her toy is faster than his but batman's not happy either cuz he's wounded on the ground and being pursued by dr Phosphorus. batman thinks that he's outsmarted him when he uh... sets off a rigged explosion But that does not slow Dr. Phosphorus down. Luckily, Batgirl and Robin are approaching. And they seem to finally be on the same page. They decide, I'll go high, you go low. So, finally learning teamwork. Damien saves Batman from Dr. Phosphorus by slamming his cycle into him before he was about to give Batman cancer. Because, yes, that's what Dr. Phosphorus said. I'm going to give you cancer, Batman. And Batman's like, funny thing about cancer. Okay, you never say funny thing about cancer. Because that's just tasteless. Come on, Dick. Don't live up to your name. Stephanie launches from her pod and fights Roxy Rocket in the sky. And she brings her crashing right into Dr. Phosphorus, which finishes, which finishes him and her both off. So Riot and his multiplications of himself are next. Damien is very happy to learn now that he can break his no lethal rule as long as it's only on Riot's multiples. So Riot's taken care of and Oracle breaks through Roulette's firewall As Roulette's trying to make her getaway, it's not like you to run. And the Batman family, which is the recovered Batman, Robin and Batgirl, also break into her headquarters. And then Robin says, game over. And Batgirl's like, don't be lame. And Batman informs him, shush, he's learning. So we get some wrap-up in the Batcave. The kids are sitting in their own little corner, and you know, Damien's criticizing Stephanie for having her hair loose. And then Stephanie basically reminds him that it was good enough for Tim, for Kid Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman. They're looking at uh, the adults being Barbara and Dick, and like, I bet you that they're talking about us. And uh, Barbara and Dick are having a similar conversation. Dick is basically apologizing to Barbara, saying, okay, you can have the Batcave. Sorry I was such a jerk. It's been hard with Bruce gone. We'll trade off Alfred. Hey, look, the kids are staring at us. You think that they're talking about us? So we get some symmetry there between the former Batgirl and Robin and the current Batgirl and Robin. We also get the wrap-up with Francisco. He's been rescued off-panel, which is a little jarring because – all this you know, time earlier in the arc, the rescue of Francisco, when it just happens off-panel. And it looks like Stephanie's getting a little jealous when Jordana hugs Francisco, and she's like, okay, young love. But then Francisco hugs a guy classmate or friend of his. I don't remember who this guy is. I'll have to check the old issues. And Stephanie's like, oh, well, okay then. I'm not sure what that's implying there. If she's like, oh, okay, it's okay that he hugged Jordana because he hugs everyone. That doesn't mean that they're in love. Or if she thinks that he's gay now, I really don't know what's going on or what that little attention to that detail was trying to imply because she reacted to that hug one way or another. So Bat signals up. There's crime, whatever. Oracle's like, Batgirl, everything okay? She's like, yep, Gotham's just (laughs) full of surprises. Oh, wow, you know what? (laughs) Maybe that was the surprise. And she's like, and I'm ready for whatever's next. And she rides off onto her Batpod in the sky off of the rooftop. So it's like, okay, that thing's going to fall because she was up there pretty high. But it says, next issue, Reunion with Red
0: Robin. Okay, everybody. Freeze. Hey,
4: I wanted to say it.
0: (laughs) Okay, guys, that's going to take us into Batman and Robin issue eight. And uh, where we last left off is where we see a Lazarus pit where Batman's body had uh, just been put. Well, a Batman body had just been put. And uh, this picture, this issue uh, picks off with uh, Batwoman telling Dick about how she wound up in London and why she was tracking down the the Bible of crime. She explains that uh, there are criminals who worship uh, gods of evil and they're trying to fulfill a prophecy. And so that takes off and we just see him all around the pit. And then all we see is like a Batman figure stand up and Dick is like the real Batman back from the dead. And if you're wrong, and Dick's already ready, he's like ready to fight just to see this. And the Batman then approaches them and he goes, this is seriously giving me the creeps to Squires. And then Cyril lo- he goes, uh, look at his eyes. All right, mate. And I try to do my best Nick impression right there. And Batman looks down at his hands. He sees, like, some of the pit stuff on, uh, on his body. And then he says, Batman, say something. And then Batman just attacks them. Of course, Dick then stuns him in, in the head. But Batman just, like, smiles. Well, this Batman looks like they smiles. And then he goes, what are you? And then it, it takes us into a flashback. And it says, uh, we are forced to euthanize our army of Batman replicas. He goes, great one. And uh, we then see that it's uh, a small henchman, a dark sight. And it says, uh, cause them to experience his every wound, every heartbreak, and every hurt. But his memories made them insane, uncontrollable. It's not my fault. He goes, dispose of them, all but one. A perfect copy of Batman Dead, I can use that. And so uh, he then pans out, and then we see Batman just attacking all of them of course he hits Dick. dig goes flying out of the picture and uh we see under it looks like under his suit he also has like a i guess that kevlar armor underneath there and so um uh, uh this batman is just really taking it to them and so batman well batman and batman Dick and Batman. they go they go at each other and uh, of course uh squire steps in tries to get him batman knocks him down and of course, uh they they're all hit and of course we then pan out to see Kit Cole. Kit Cole says, uh he goes, We uh his henchmen come out and we're like we barely made it with our lives, boss. Uh the pearl sent mass, squire, and knight down. And he goes in the Batman boss, and he goes he goes he goes, No apologies. Two bats, the sacrifice, the twice named daughter was in need doubt. And you can figure that out. <laughs> and uh uh, he then holds out a little remote where it looks like he's just going to detonate a bomb over them, and of course, Batwoman, uh, Batman, uh, they're all trying to go after them. And then he presses the button, and then the whole cave comes coming down on the on the on the pit. And so uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, goes looking for Batwoman. Batwoman's under a whole bunch of rubble, and then um, Knights right there and Squires right there trying to talk to the Batman. The Batman. Uh, the one that rose from the pit is uh, looking he seems to have found an escape pod of course we then see Alfred of course from issue 7 where uh, he had last talked to Talia that she, he was going back to Gotham uh, he then comes in and then uh, opens the door and then sees that Master Wayne's body has been removed and then we see Batman looking like he's flying somewhere uh, well actually in a little small helicopter going somewhere uh, we see Batwoman just completely bruised up, broken, and uh, we then pan out, we see Alfred with Damien coming back from his uh, surgery repaired uh, spine, comes back, Dick and Batwoman have a small moment, you know, where she she says that it it, it looks serious, he goes, uh, you have no idea, but she also says that she has to die and that she wants him to take off her wig. And so uh, we then see Batman looking like he's in a – looks like an airplane. Uh, Nine and Squire go in looking for Dick, and then he's just holding Batwoman right there. And, of course, the wig's off, and uh, he says she's dead. We then see a plane land, looks like at uh, Wayne Manor, and Batman comes out, and he goes – Alfred's right there, and he goes, good, good heavens, sir, is that you? And then we just pan out. And we see Damon at the computer looking like he's calling uh, Alfred. He rolls out. He goes, is that you? Alfred comes in through the screen door, just like thrown. And then Damian's in a wheelchair and he looks at him, he just says, father. And then it just ends right there with, uh, it goes Batman and Robin in next in Broken. Imagine that, sir. Huh, what? Someone dressed up in a frightening costume, running around scaring people.
3: What will they think of next?
1: Batman Confidential number 41, written in artwork done by Sam Keith. Part two of four of the ghost storyline. The issue opens with Batman in a hallucination. He doesn't know where he's at, but he remembers being attacked. He then begins to recall back to the night his parents were killed. He then awakes to find himself being watched by Collie Dean. And we learn that Collie Dean was the one who rescued rescued him at the end of issue 40. And she has nursed him while he was passed out. You can tell right away that there's chemistry between the two of them. And we also learn that Kali is blind. Batman thanks her and tells her that he could use her help. She is surprised and he thinks back to the attack when he passes out again. Batman is confused. He doesn't know if Kali is a hallucination or all of it is. The creature then appears and begins questioning Batman's belief system. While the creature feeds off the innocent, why does Batman feed off the guilty? Batman says that he will stop it but the creature states that the harder you resist, the creature multiplies faster. The creature states that Batman is falling for Kali, and Batman thinks this is ridiculous because how could he when they just met? The creature then states that one of them will die, and then Batman awakes. Uh, Later on, Alfred and Batman are preparing to enter the Batmobile. While in the Batmobile, Batman explains everything that has happened and tells Alfred about Kali. Alfred asks if he trusts her, in which Batman replies, yes. We cut to Collie's office, where she's currently dealing with a disabled homeless man. While talking to him, she begins to smell something, and I assume it's sulfur. It doesn't, it's not stated. She remembers the smell from that night, and I re- assume she's referring to her mother's death. Later, Gordon informs her that there has been another murder. And this time, she comes to the crime scene. Others question why Collie is there, in which Batman states that the blind have a greater, have a heightened sense of smell than the average person. Again, Collie identifies the smell being sulfur, and we learn that these bodies have been shot instead of the last victims that had been torn apart and eaten. While observing, Collie asks if she could have a word with Batman alone. The two meet later and she informs Batman that the discharge from the gun that was used to kill the victims was in one of the policemen's holsters. Suddenly a screeching noise is heard and Batman identifies it with the creature. The two begin to run but are attacked. Batman appears to be fine but Collie is down and is losing blood. The creature quickly dissolves and leaves the two. Batman calls for an ambulance and tries to comfort her. Collie can tell she can feel him shaking, so she knows he's scared. The creature then begins talking to Batman and lets him know that he cannot save her. The creature says that Kali will face the same fate that Batman's parents did tomorrow at midnight. The creature disappears, and it appears Batman begins to black out again, and now Collie is losing him. To be continued.
2: Okay, so that's the end of our reviews for this time. We only had a couple, but uh, we are going to introduce our new way of doing our review wrap-up, which is going to be us all talking about the issue and making comments about the issue in general instead of just one of us talking about the issue. So we're going to start off with Red Robin. So the first thing with Red Robin, not bad uh, issue. Uh, written by Chris Yost and art by Marcus Toe. Overall, it wasn't nearly as convoluted as some of those other issues that Chris Yost has done as far as jumping back and forth between the present and future. It felt more like a normal comic book, which just has numerous characters. We saw Vicky Vale, which we haven't seen for quite some time, and it's almost been a year since she discovered who Batman really is, and we still haven't seen the outfall of that. So, uh, yeah...
3: So this was interesting. Uh, the reunion with Connor Kent, and he's he's like, oh, my God, Connor, you're alive. And, of course, my thought reading this is, OK, we already know that uh, they met up again in Adventure Comics, quote, unquote, for the first time since he died. And that's great. At least they acknowledge it here. But the fact that they acknowledge it here makes it even more confusing because Connor's like, uh, Tim, we already hooked up again, remember? And then he's like, oh, yeah, I know. And it's like, well, wait, what? Then why is he reacting like this? He's like, I'm just so happy. And then Tim acting like a complete jerk, you know, okay, Tim, even though you went all the way across the world to find me, I'm going to pretend to follow you up to your father and then ditch you right when we get to the office. Yuck, yuck, yuck. What was that all about? Why'd he do that? And then he's like thinking, oh, Tam, she's probably going to be mad at me. But, oh, well, I did this for no reason at all. Yeah, she's probably going to figure out our identities. I'm going to have to trust her. He's like, but I can trust her. Have you seen, Tam, the last few issues? That girl's an idiot. (laughs) She's not going to keep your secret. She doesn't know what's going on. And then that whole thing when he's going into the Batcave, he's like, I'll take anybody's help. Anybody's, you know, Damien, Huntress, you know, Batman, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Not Stephanie. And that's the big punchline. Like, really? You would have rather had Damien's help over Stephanie's? Damien, who the reason why he was in the Batman family is the reason why you left and took off across the world. Really? You, you could practically hear the wah, wah, wah music on the last page when Stephanie's like, hey, Tim, remember when you told me not to wear the costume again? Well, guess what? <laughs> but I actually enjoyed this, though. You know, I, I think that the issue was just kind of getting him oriented in Gotham. It, it didn't really do much to progress the story, but I could see why they needed to slow down. And at least they stopped with the flash forwards and flashbacks. It, it was pretty fun.
2: Yeah, the other thing that I have to say, and this also goes on lines of Batgirl, and this is, in my opinion, an editorial mishap. Why exactly do we have Red Robin come out in week one of February? At the end of the book, it says, to be continued in Batgirl number eight. And then week two of February, we have Batgirl number seven. What was the point? You couldn't swap the two books for, the for you know, one month. Or, in this case, next month, they, they swap them. They actually come out in the same week. You couldn't do that. If I was an editor, just saying, I would uh, make sure that I'd have a book that, that was supposed to happen well before another book come out well before. And this reminds me of the, the the incredible hypocrisy that we saw last June when all of those new books came out.
1: Yeah, the uh, Batman editorial department right now is, uh, they're struggling.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure Why? Not sure at all. Mike Martz, I guess, is just taking a little too many books on himself. He needs to start pass they need to start taking some uh zombies or monsters or dead people into the books so Mike Carlin can start uh, Or in the reviews. Or apes. Everybody loves a good monkey. Alright, so overall I'm gonna give this one uh two and a half out of five betterings.
0: Uh, I would say I would have to give this um, somewhere around two batterings out of five. I'd say three out of five batterings. And I would say
1: two batterings out of
2: five. And Suave Star on the website gave it three out of five batterings, so that comes to an average of two and a half batterings out of five. So moving along into Batgirl number eight.
3: Alright, this was a fun issue. I wasn't having as much fun reading it as I was the last few. The Damien-Stephanie interaction is hilarious, but it kind of took a backseat this issue, and I guess I can see why, because, yeah, we have to see them doing teamwork now. Uh, I'm not sure I feel about Stephanie's little Batpod thing. It kind of looks awkward, and... As I was discussing in the little commentary thing, I wasn't really sure if we were trying to imply that Francisco was gay or not during the last scene. Got no problem with the gay thing, but just it was left really vague enough to leave us wondering. Maybe they'll touch on it in the future issues. I liked I liked seeing the new interactions with the Batman family, and I guess, you know, I, I love Stephanie talking about all the people that have her hair loose, but... While I enjoyed this, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the last few issues. It was just kind of a wrap-up to the arc and, you know, on to the next thing.
2: Overall, I thought the issue was pretty decent. Uh, Nothing super, oh my god, but uh, I thought it was nice how at the end there was some kind of closure between the feud that Batgirl and Damien have and also Oracle and and Dick have as well. So that was was a plus. I'm not really understanding this whole... Vehicle that Stephanie's got because uh, it really seems like it was designed for somebody with no legs, but that's just me. Oh. Uh, um, so, that being said, uh, not a bad issue, but I don't think it was one that I'm going to
0: remember next month. So, I, I actually, I'm. Um- I'm like, uh, Josh, where I've enjoyed the Batgirl issues. I, I honestly, I kind of enjoyed this one, but, uh, now that Dust had pointed the part about the <laughs> motorcycle, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. And then I went back and looked at it real quick. I was like, Oh uh, yeah, I see your point right there. Uh, so, uh, there, there's little things that you can go back and, and pick on, but, um, I've enjoyed the, the bad series, but I hope this is just not a decline in the series and that's what I wanted to add on to, to Josh's comments, because it's been really good so far.
3: Yeah, speaking of little nitpicks here and there, anyone remember that horrible The Oracle, The Cure miniseries? If you don't remember it, then you're better off for not. But I remember how they had Barbara move into her new apartment, and it was pretty much a rat trap. And you get the feeling that she was renting from this place, and if you know she didn't own the building, but she was tinkering with their wires. We see the basement of her apartment... It's like this big underground ca- cavern. How-, how, is this- how is this happening? And it totally doesn't match up to that apartment that she had an Oracle to cure. I mean, does she just have permission to build this big underground cavern in this building that she doesn't own? And you could say, well, actually, it's a Wayne-owned building, and Bruce Wayne you know, and her did this as a backup. But she moved in there after Bruce died, so I get the feeling that she didn't have a lot of time to take care of this. So just something that I noticed.
2: Okay, so overall, I'm going to give this one three out of five Batarangs.
0: Uh, for me, I'm going to go ahead and give this one uh, three, three, about three batterings out of five for, for this one. And um, honestly, I, I just been enjoying this series. And I, I mean, I enjoy reading it.
3: Three and a half out of five batterings. Still good, but it's been better.
1: And hopefully it'll get better. One out of five Batarangs.
2: What? And Zaius on the website gave it five out of five Batarangs. So that gives an average of three Batarangs out of five. So moving along to Batman and Robin number eight.
0: Okay, uh, this issue, um, of course, we've all been loving the Batman and Robin series. And, of course, you're going to have your fans that either like Grant Morrison or hate Grant Morrison but I think Grant Morrison of course was doing Grant Morrison is what we think Grant Morrison is because he was, managed to bring in Infinity Crisis and tie in some other ends of RIP within this issue um, I thought it was very good I thought it was the way he has it spaced out and written is is very well done of course he's going to do those little twists that Grant Morrison likes to do where you know, if you read Infinity Crisis, you got more out of it right here. So it's kind of like, you know, he never forgets and he's always plugging things in. And so um, I, I just think he's a, br- a brilliant writer. Um, I really like this story because it kind of showed the preparation of Dick being Batman if Batman ever came back, but wasn't Batman, where he was always prepared. So I kind of like that that view of it. But... um I really liked the ending of this book. It, it's like, it left me like, Ooh, man, <laughs> Damon's going to get it. <laughs> That's what I felt like. But, um, I would, I, I did feel kind of, a, a, a soft spot for uh, Batwoman because I mean, for what has been happening with detective comics, I think it, what they've been doing in the detective comics has sold us on Batwoman. So I kind of feel a soft spot for her. And uh, the way that she was, you know, really bruised after this collapse on her from the, from being inside the, the Lazarus pit, uh, I feel really bad. I'm really wanting to know what happens with her. So um, I really like this book.
2: Overall, I don't think it was a bad book at all. I think the big thing is it didn't seem like we went anywhere with this issue. It seemed just like we were staying in one place. It didn't seem like there was anything moving ahead except for this new Batman gets out of the cave, gets past all these people who, why is it that he's somehow stronger than four, four of Batman's allies? Who knows? Um, but nonetheless, um, I'm interested to see where it goes with Damien and this new Batman. And I'm wondering if this new Batman actually plays into the covers to the next arc with Damien battling Batman. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, this is going to be uh, curious. My main, The main thing I took away from the issue was those little Final Crisis flashbacks of the scenes that we didn't see in Final Crisis, which answered some questions but raised more, which we'll be discussing later, so I'm not going to get into it now. That whole thing with Alfred saying, sir, is that you? As if it's supposed to mean something like, oh my god, he's saying, sir, is that you? He must think it's Bruce. Alfred calls everybody, sir. I mean, he could have been like, sir, is that you talking about thick? Obviously, the intention was for him to be talking about Bruce. I just thought that was kind of funny. And yeah, Batwoman, you know, geez, that career lasted a while. <laughs> She's already, you know, pulled a Barbara Gordon and gotten herself crippled. And it's it's, <laughs> it's an enjoyable issue, although it's starting to get Grant Morrison-y, meaning confusing as heck. So
1: I thought that this issue was pretty close to perfect. Uh, I really liked I thought it was perfectly paced you know you just fly through this quickly I think he incorporates the flashbacks perfectly into the fighting sequences and you're kind of slowly starting to learn what final crisis and RIP everything that went on there I also think the Batwoman thing I think there's more to that she states that she has a plan uh, with all this so I'm I'm curious to see what happens there, and for all you Damien fans out there, you're going to get your wishes going to come true at the end of uh, this issue. And Cameron Stewart, I thought, was even better this issue than he was in 7. I thought his, his line looked really well, and I think Morrison gave him a pretty difficult script, and he, he executed that pretty flawlessly.
0: You know, um, I have to add on to that, uh, the Cameron Stewart part. Uh, seeing Cameron Stewart's artwork has has improved. Uh, you can kind of see where they, they kind of wanted to keep like the quietly part going. But he has uh, a real relationship with, uh, with Matt Wagner's type of penciling. And so I, whenever I look through this issue, I almost envision Matt Wagner doing this book. Um, but for that, I I think Cameron Stewart has to uh, to work on his storyboards a bit. Um, not much. It's just like there's there's just different panels when when Dick was talking to Wonder Woman. I mean, to Wonder Woman, when <laughs> Dick was talking to Batwoman and, you know, she's down. Of course, she's wanting to die. Then we have another panel of Batman. It It wasn't it wasn't the storyboard wasn't put into place to where it would lead us off into Batman. They just stuck Batman right there at the bottom of where he was going. And it it should have been told more of a, of a a impact feel for Batman's heading somewhere. And I think he just missed those subtle points within his storyboards that he can approve upon. But I mean, with every issue, it looks like he's getting better and better. So uh, I look forward to him getting, you know, hitting that mark to where he'll, he will be uh, a consistent artist. Uh, for uh, Batman and Robin, I'm going to have to give this. Uh, I really like this book. Um, I just I just wish the, the storyboards would have kept up with uh, Morrison's writing. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a solid uh, three and a half batterings uh, out of five.
2: I, too, will give it three and a half out of five batterings.
3: I'm going to say three. Uh, not uh, three and a half because it made my head spin too much.
1: I'm going to give it five out of five batterings.
2: Z-Factor <laughs> gave it five out of five batterings, so that will give it an average of four out of five batterings. All right, last one. Batman Confidential number 41.
1: Uh, Batman Confidential number 41, I thought, was... Again, just eye-opening artwork by Sam Keith, and again, this is the story is completely off the wall. If you're somebody that has to be rooted in realism, you're not going to like this at all. But you know, we still don't know who the creature is. I think it's this is interesting. I did find it a little weird, though, that Batman seems to immediately come at, become attached to Collie Dean so quickly. Uh, that's just it's kind of out of character, but
2: out of character. Let's refresh everybody's memory. about. Don't even ago, bring up Jezebel,
1: Jed, because I'm getting off here if you bring up Jezebel, Jet. Isn't that Jezebel? Well, that's, that's
2: another wonderful person to bring up, but uh, I don't. wouldn't say it's out of character. As we know, in Batman Gotham after midnight, Batman fell for the female detective, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, fell for her in less than an issue, was going out with her, was in love with her, and then was mourning her death all within... S- I think it was seven issues of yeah. the series. So, uh, <laughs> can't say that uh, he doesn't do this all the time. And then on top of that, we throw in some other people like Jezebel Jett, which we don't have to use exactly in this example, considering she was, in fact, as he said, a part of his plan. So, uh, But yeah, this isn't the first time that he's fallen for somebody in a very short amount of time. And it always happens now this- to happen in these one-shot not one shot, but these off stories that don't actually fall into continuity. This that isn't pretty
1: quickly. This
3: is within two panels. Okay, what about that one girl <laughs> from that Joker arc in Batman Confidential? It was the same as the deal with her too. And every, arc. yeah, that Joker arc where he's like, "Bunny, there's a bunny in the moon." <laughs> and in every single, <laughs> and in every single Batman movie where he's like, "Alfred, I love her." I want to tell her who I really am. You should tell her the truth, sir. I've never seen you so in love before except for the last four movies. And he like tells them his identity. Like, Vicki Vale, watch Batman 89. How fast does he fall in love with her?
2: Oh, he had her at uh, high.
0: Yeah, Bruce Wayne. In uh, Confidential, either Callie's going to either be the villain, or she's going to get murdered, or something's going to happen because that's the fate of the of Bruce's women. So, <laughs> I like Batman Confidential. I love this issue.
2: All right, so Batman Confidential number forty-one. I'm going to give this one a solid four out of five batterings.
0: Uh, Batman Confidential forty-one. I love Sam Keith's artwork. Love him. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this four batterings out of five. Two two batterings out of five didn't really wow me.
1: Overall, I think the artwork alone just makes this issue because this is you're not gonna find this anywhere else in a Batman book. So I'm gonna give it five out of five batterings.
2: So that'll bring it to an average of four out of five batterings. So that is the end of that. So let's throw it over to Nick with Bat Books for Beginners.
4: Hello there and welcome back to another edition of BBFB. Sorry for the short absence, but don't worry, BBFB is back and here to stay. I'm your host Nick and today I'm looking at Strange Apparitions, which collects Detective Comics number 469 through to 479 and was published in 1999. The book is written by Steve Englehart, who is a critically acclaimed writer and has also worked on Batman Dark Detective as well as being involved in writing the Batman 89 film. However, in issues 478 and 479, Lem Wine takes over with a two-part Clayface story. And Lem Wine has worked on the Batman series for a period of time, even creating the character of Lucius Fox. Art is provided by Marshall Rogers, who's worked on Legends of the Dark Knight, and Walt Simonson, who has worked on Batman and Detective at various times. This book is held in very high regard, and seems to be considered great material from a bygone age of comics. Let's see what I think. You talk big, pretty boy, but you ain't gonna be when Mr. Thorne gets through with you. He chews up and spits out creeps like you for breakfast! The plot involves many different short stories. I'll run through them as quick as I can, giving a brief summary of some of the stories. When Alfred collapses, Batman discovers many more people are mysteriously becoming sick. The Dark Knight realises that the Gotham City water supply has been contaminated, so he goes to the Gotham Reservoir and finds the person responsible for the contamination, Dr. Phosphorus. Dr Phosphorus visits an old colleague and explains how he became a monster when the reactor core at a nuclear power plant in which they both invested exploded, and that he now plans to take his revenge on all those he blames, particularly city council chairman Rupert Thorne. Batman confronts Dr Phosphorus at the new Gotham City offshore nuclear power plant. In a later story, Bruce Wayne checks into the private hospital Grey Towers to recover from injuries he sustained fighting Dr Phosphorus but he soon discovers that Hugo Strange is using the facility to turn the rich and influential patients into his mindless slaves. When Strange sicks a venomous snake on Batman, which knocks the hero out, Strange uncovers Batman's secret identity. Hugo Strange then takes over Bruce Wayne's life. He offers to sell the Batman's secret identity to the highest bidder, but Boss Thorne doesn't want to play that game and tries to beat the information out of Strange. Meanwhile, Silver Saint Cloud, who suspects something is wrong with Bruce, summons Dick Grayson, who rescues Batman from Stranger's captivity as Robin. We then get a story with Penguin, who seems to have desires to steal the statue of the Malay Penguin. Batman decodes the clues, the villain drops, and puts a stop to his real plot. We then get a story with Deadshot. With Penguin's unwilling help, Deadshot escapes from prison and seeks revenge on Batman, but a giant typewriter proves his undoing. We then get a great story involving the Joker. And the Joker gives fish everywhere his face, then tries to claim copyright to his image. And he will kill anyone who gets in the way of his plan. We then see Hugo Strange takes his revenge on Rupert Thorne, St. Cloud makes a decision about her future, and Batman puts an end to the Joker's fish scheme. We then finally get a story involving Clayface 3. Preston Payne uses bloods from Matt Hagen, the second Clayface, to try to change the effects of hyperpituitarism Think I murdered that, on his appearance. But the cure causes Payne's flesh to melt like wax, and forces him to periodically dissolve others into protoplasm. When Batman interferes with Payne's theft of the components necessary to reverse his condition, he may become Clayface's next victim. And then finally, before Preston Payne can complete the mechanism which will restore his humanity, Batman confronts him, and all of Clayface's efforts go up in fire... ...and smoke.
0: Either he's the bravest man I ever faced, or a complete fool. I must say, Batman, that's the first time anyone's tried to stop my gunfire by running into it. No suit is bulletproof at close range. We'll make this quick now. Huh? Shoot
2: your mouth off now, dead shot.
4: In Review, for every person who still clings to the notion that the Dark Batman is the definitive Batman, there's someone else who would say Strange Apparitions is the definitive Batman. Even though more recent Batman epics have a darker, grittier feel, we get something very different from Steve Englehart from a bygone age. Whether you enjoy this book all depends on your generation, what you enjoy in comics, and your own personal tastes. It's possible that some readers raised on modern comics may have some trouble getting into Strange Apparitions. It's got a slower pace and puts at least two issues worth of contemporary story into each issue. It also has a lot of things lost in today's Batman books. Things like really great villains and a different pace. One major difference is the narration. The stories are narrated to us by a mysterious narrator and characters also speak when alone. Very classical style of comic book storytelling, but it can get a bit annoying. But there are some fun spin on it for instance when the narrator decides no need to mention how much panic the crowd was in when they were attacked by a supervillain and it's fun but it's old-fashioned you've got to be able to put up with characters speaking their minds literally as in batman attacks some thugs and he tells them someone walked out on me tonight and i'm hurting in my soul so i'm going to beat you up you have to put up with that sort of exposition being explained by a character it's very old-fashioned you would never see it in today's books and it's ridiculous dialogue for batman But, as I said, it was a different time. But Stephen Englehart clearly tries to pioneer the story arc here, with an intriguing conflict between Thorn and Batman that spreads across several issues. Plus we got the typical old-fashioned token fight on a giant item used sometimes it's a musical instrument. Today it was a typewriter with Batman and Deadshot fighting on the typewriter, as well as the typical villain falling into water scenario, which I must admit we did get in Battle for the Cow recently but it's a very old-fashioned and cliched ending to a fight. However, there are plenty of surprises in Strange Apparitions and a healthy amount of story packed in just a few issues, and among the best moments is when the Joker threatens the mayor. At first glance, writer Steve Englehart gives a traditional story that don't break any new ground. It does begin with a rather weak two-parter starring Dr. Phosphorus, but after the slow start, this collection kicks into high gear. The third issue really then picks up, and the story becomes much more intriguing, with Hugo Strange finding out the identity of Batman. The identity bidding then gets even more interesting, and we get to learn a lot more about Rupert Thorne, and the stories are very similar to an animated series episode where Strange held an auction for Batman's identity. But what happens to Hugo Strange at the hands of boss Thorne is rather shocking, even if the violence is played down. The very cold-hearted end to the comic story really shows us this is something completely different. However, I did get a bit confused with the ghost and the fact we didn't really get a conclusion. The final Clayface story, however, goes for melodrama and is a bit weak as a result. However, there were lots of great villains in this book, especially Thorne, who stood out as a very menacing villain, as well as the classic villains performing admirably. And yes, Bruce Wayne has a significant role in this book, but even in the 70s, it's clear that Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman wears. There were plenty of feels to the 60s, Chief O'Hara making appearances and the red telephones long monologues from Batman explaining about the technology and it felt like the 60s show at parts. I felt Silver St. Cloud was much more interesting than I expected her to be and she was really pushing Bruce to keep up his persona. I felt that she might be a very bland character but I was pleasantly surprised and enjoyed scenes with her. Marshall Rogers worked as the colourist for most of these stories and if the scenery isn't shrouded in shadows or as dark as we're used to in Batman these days, I for one am not complaining about the bright colours that light up the city during the daytime however when night falls and the fog rolls in Batman prowls the rooftops and the colors disappear appropriately and the artwork as I have mentioned before classic it's a variation of artists from the 70s and contains the bright colors and qualities expected within that style of book feels very dynamic within the action scenes and contains plenty of energy doesn't feel as menacing as something like year one so in conclusion the book is a good read very good length with an arc spreading over ten issues The individual stories vary in quality, the odd one-off villain appearance being a bit weak, as these stories are so short there's nowhere to go with them, really. But the main arc was intriguing and held me throughout. I recommend reading this, but only if you are willing to read the old-fashioned style. Many younger readers would find this narration and dialogue very odd and unnatural. You would never see it in a modern story. But this is classic Batman and should be respected and visited by all fans. I'll be giving it 4 out of 5 Batarangs. First, I would like to thank you for coming all this way. Get to the point. <clears throat> Very well. I have here, incontestable proof of Batman's secret identity. Now, gentlemen, how much have I been? Well, that was Strange Apparitions. As I said, I recommend it. And next time, I'll be looking at Nightwing Year One. Dick Grayson is no longer Robin learn the legendary history of Dick Grayson and his life after he parts company with Batman. He gains advice from Superman, aids dead men, and makes the decisions that lead him to become a new crime fighter. Look forward to that on the next BBFB. I've been Nick. Now, back to the guys. See ya.
1: Good morning, Mr... Uh,
4: Francis. We gentlemen of business have arrangements to discuss. Ah, uh, arrangements? For my fish, of course. This has all been worked out far in advance, Francis.
3: You are merely the last tiny cog in my grand design. So don't speak to me again. Okay?
1: Now, what is everyone in town talking about?
2: Uh, your fish?
1: I told you not to speak!
2: Alright, so that's Bad Books for Beginners. Let's get into our upcoming releases. To the Batmobile! Let's go! On February 24th, we have Batman Robin number 9. The Batman Chronicles Volume number nine, Batman King Tuts Tomb, and Gotham City Sirens number nine. Moving into March, we have on March 3rd Batman Widening Gear number 5, if it doesn't get delayed again, Detective Comics number 862, and Batman Confidential number 42. As for what we will be covering on the next episode, rule number 5, Batman 696, Batman Streets of Gotham, number 9, The Outsiders, number 27, Superman Batman 69, Batman Robin, number 9, and Gotham City Sirens, number 9. So a lot of number 9s. If you like what we are currently doing with this new format that we're going by, uh, please send us an email at podcast at net, and let us know whether or not you like this new way we're going to review and be cutting out the discussion, kind of If there's anything to discuss, discuss it when we have the news section. Um, Let us know, so that way we can either keep doing it or discontinue it. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can head over to the website for daily news, as well as the editorials for comic reviews from all kinds of different people out there in the Batman universe. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Currently, our Facebook count is sitting at 203 fans. Our goal is to get to 1,000 before... San Diego Comic Con, we've gained about 25 listeners over the past week since we recorded the last one, so let's keep those numbers going. As for Twitter, we are sitting at 85, and we need to be at 250 before C2E2, which is just around the corner in April, so make sure if you are on Twitter, you are following us or sending us off to some other people that you know that are interested in Batman. That's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. You got Josh. And this is Zach. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Sayonara.
1: You can do anything if you're not afraid.
2: Taken as Mister Miracle by the cops, actually, specifically, who did I just say before midnight?
3: Mister Miracle. Okay. Mister Miracle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll need to edit that out.
3: I love the Doctor Midnight thing because he he totally does. Yeah.
2: That Dick, not Dick. Batman. Batman.
3: Yes, Zach. Vanilla ice cream's tasty. And Barbara's like, oh well, okay then. Did I say Barbara? Well, just in case I did, I'll say that part of So, that signal's up. I'm going by his, he was, he was gay. Is that, He's really what or is that really what you're going by?
2: Yeah, because he hugged the guy more so than the chick. And that's when she made the comment.
3: See, I don't know, it's it's just left so vague. We could totally leave this part in here, too. There's
0: no reason why not to. My turn already? yep okay Forced to in ent- Euthanize. right Are euthanize euthanize there you go
3: of course Damien's in a wheelchair that's where people in the Batman um, of course Damien's at a computer that's where people from the Batman family in wheelchairs belong <laughs> that would have been awesome if I didn't flub that line
1: yeah there's like a rule once you stutter you just stop telling the joke King Discussion,
0: How about a bat rap? A bat rap. <laughs> a bat rap.
1: <laughs> there once was a man named Batman. Anyway.
3: <clears throat> my parents are dead. I live in a cave. My
2: manservant is...
1: I'll just be... I'll just be Main Dupree. And, and I'll stand I in the...
2: like to be in space.
1: Yeah, and I'll just stand <laughs> in the background and I'll be like, yeah... What? Oh yeah. What? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. You got it. Uh huh. Yeah, Say, what's up, Clark? What you doing in my city?
3: I gave all those fools all the credit. In my city, bitch. <laughs> anyway, my name is Barbara Gore and I got a cap in my spine. I'm going to shank you. But that doesn't
1: mean oh, that my man. body's not fine. With just
2: the... estic. Yeah.
1: With a spoon.
2: <laughs> Oh my okay. god. Anyway, let's gangsta. Not do rap. Let's not do bat rap. Dude, uh, na- if I you put this in the tags, that's going to
3: get that like such a up. big response on the message board. Like, we want a Batman Universe special of you guys rapping the whole time. And then we're going to actually,
1: actually have to come up with something. Then, oh, if that okay, happens, up. then we know all our view listeners are white. What? This is okay, a comic you're, you're mis- party! Woo!
0: No.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Let's pay attention and try to figure out and, and let me li- let me explain what we're looking for. And yeah, Tim I, really I'm just so happy that you're alive. <laughs> I knew you were alive, but I can see you now. You're alive. Are you reading the actual dialogue? No. Oh, Connor.
1: <laughs> surprise. My sweet love Connor. Yeah, he I think he had a bigger reaction don't
2: go off to Wonder Girl. Stay here with me forever. Oh, no. The red okay. rocket. That's a red yeah. rocket. And
3: Tim is okay. acting like... <laughs> <laughs> oh this could be the worst decision. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, probably. By the way, when you're editing this, you should probably keep that little exchange between me and Dustin in there. Just uh, you, please,
1: the, correct, just, the correct term is Homosexual.
3: Just to please all those people who are like, well, you guys sound too dry when you're doing this. You know, that's actual discussion during the reviews. You
1: want to hear some dry? I'll well, eat some dry. What? what does that even
2: mean? <laughs> oh, my God. I eat my toast <laughs> without butter. Oh, God. Uh, I'll give it three out of five.